Welcome to SIDCast, a podcasting resource dedicated to telling stories and sharing the experiences of the sports information and athletic communications profession. My name is David Gibson. If you could, before you get any further into today's episode, go to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get this podcast, leave us a rating and a review. It only takes a few minutes and it allows for the show to grow uh, as we expand upon our listenership, our fan base and as well as telling the SID story. So, uh, also, be sure to go ahead and go over to Twitter and Facebook. Give us a follow at SportsInfoCast on both of those platforms as well. And without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Guys, welcome on back to another episode of SIDcast. Uh, do as the intro sets and go ahead and give us a follow on social media channels. You can sign up for our newsletter, by the way. I keep forgetting to say stuff like this. Sign up for our newsletter, sidcast.fireside.fm slash newsletter. It's about three questions. It's a Google Doc, and uh, you'll automatically get signed up in a newsletter from SIDcast sent straight to your inbox, um, full of all sorts of what? New episodes every Thursday and uh, new huddle posts every Tuesday. Uh, except these past two weeks, David's been recovering and uh, apartment hunting, basically. So, um, anyway, forgive me today. I, did, I am currently in Madison, Indiana, which is where I'm from. Um, Jason was nice enough to... Uh, he had just landed from China, actually. Still had a little bit of jet lag, had his podcasting stuff with him. He was back home in Minnesota, um, and he was editing his podcast, and he said, I, I can hop on here soon if you want me to. And um, so we did. So we came on very short notice, and uh, it's a pretty good one today, guys, I would say. So uh, Jason, not per se a sports information director, but he has worked a lot alongside with sports information directors. Some of you may be sitting there knowing his name right now. So um, what we talk about is kind of how he worked with SIDs, how he's respected them, um, how he was basically an SID and a broadcaster when he, even when he was in high school and didn't even know it, um, how he latched on and why he's so passionate about the game of wrestling, uh, along with taking a leap of faith. And that'll come later when he heard a speech from Dick Vitale um, about making a potential career move and how... Everything, and if you, speaking of which, uh, Game of Thrones spoilers, you guys suck, and we might have one later, so be careful, that's not until the very end of the episode, but anyway, kind of your Game of Thrones reference is everything that you've ever done has led you up to where you are now. So, uh, even though those leap of faith might not work out, Jason will tell you in detail to you how it all works out to where you are now and where you are supposed to be in life. So um, I did not have my microphone today. What I did have to end up doing was recording through my iPhone headset, like headphones. I don't know why I said headset. Uh, straight into Zencaster, and then I had to align it later. So this is another one of those cases to where the other person sounds way better than I do, but you can still hear me. I just wish I sounded better. So um, that's where we will start off with today, number... 119 of SID Council, Jason Bryan of Matt Talk Online. And be sure you give his shows a follow. He's got 25 podcasts, a part of the Matt Talk Network, nine of which he does himself. I literally, Jason, literally have rocked up uh, the story of how University of Arkansas at Little Rock is starting their wrestling program. Uh, how basically how to start a sport from scratch. 
that's his new podcast. You can find that at rockedup.com. Uh, be sure to give that a listen. Be sure to give Jason a follow. We will start off today with SIDcast, episode number 119, as I have said, with Jason recapping his trip to China right here on SIDcast. Uh, yeah, China went over for the Asian Wrestling Championships. I've done a lot of freelance broadcasting for United World Wrestling, which is, uh, you know, the International Federation for Wrestling. So, you know, where you've got FIFA for soccer, well, United World Wrestling is that for, res- uh, you know, for the sport of Olympic wrestling. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I've got a good relationship with them. I've done public address announcing for the World Championships and the Olympics. But some of the stuff that I do when they don't need an in-house English speaker, like in a country like China for the Asian Championships, well, they're still a pretty good English audience sports audience so uh, i'll go over there i'll do i've done the european championships but uh, did the asian championships for the first time i do a lot of homework on how to say these names whether it be for pa or or, or for broadcast but when you get over there and you got to do research and you know a lot of things require the internet so when things we need to look up stuff like google don't work i mean no google does not work on oh, a regular internet connection and, and sometimes getting a VPN, which are becoming pretty popular for personal privacy and stuff. Some of those VPNs are blocked. I mean, I think I had to use three different VPNs to find one that actually worked in the venue. And in my hotel, one of them didn't work completely. So uh, I was going back and forth between VPNs on my phone, on my computer, and then uh, using my own data because Verizon thankfully has this thing called Travel Pass. So it's like 10 bucks a day for your own data in minutes. So it was actually treating the phone like I was in Pennsylvania or something like that. So uh, getting past uh-huh. the blocks and doing anything social, I recorded a couple podcasts over there and had to use my data to, uh, to upload and, and push stuff out. So, uh, you know, ran, ran quite a few overages and, you know, United World Wrestling is going to get the bill for that. But, you know, it's, it, it was definitely interesting uh, to, to be in a city of 12 million people and, you know, Google Maps not work. Mm-hmm. You know, try to use their version of Uber, which is Didi, and you have to have a Chinese credit card for it to work. You could pay by cash, you know, so certain things were, were interesting. I mean, I've traveled abroad for, you know, over 10, 12 years now, so it's not yeah. – I'm not thrown curveballs by much, but, you know, you, you kind of take uh, technolo- technological advances, and, and when you don't get to have them, it kind of makes things a little uh, uncomfortable after you've been used to things for so long. Yeah, so you just kind of mentioned it there a little bit. That there was about twelve million people city. I mean, what, what was the kind of stress like for you? You've you've traveled abroad, obviously. We talked about you've traveled to you know, the, yeah, the I mean, twenty three twenty three countries in oh, uh, count. You know, that is if you include Puerto Rico. I mean, it's a territory. Um, so you know, yeah. some people question that, like Canada. It's like the apartment above a cool party. No, I love my my Canadian friends. So, uh, but yeah, a lot of countries for wrestling. So uh, this is this is probably the second most problems i've had uzbekistan in 2014 for the world championships there i mean they they had the internet and they're actually like their secretary of technology or something the country had to actually open up or allow the hotel where team usa was staying um to open up all the blocks that they had because we were uploading our content to youtube you know our social media team Um, i had worked at usa wrestling for three years uh, but at the time I was independent and, you know, they were, they were just to, just to do our jobs. We needed like the government to open up the block. So uh, China right. wasn't as bad as Uzbekistan was in 2014 in that regard, but it's, you know, I mean, it just the, the nightmares, I can probably hear the, you know, fellow SIDs out there that you're, you that listen to the show are like, Oh, wait, wait, what, what <laughs> the government had to block, unblock stuff, just a tweet. Yeah. Yeah. How, what was kind of the, um, 
kind of the communication there. I mean, what were they worried? I mean, are they worried about anything? What kind of questions did they ask you? I, you know, they didn't ask me anything. I think it's more the Federation had the issues. They were trying to get things unblocked so they could send their streams to live stream or, mm-hmm. or be streaming. And then they, they had to operate a lot of stuff through a VPN. So that, like while they were giving the International Federation like 800 megs up and down, well, that doesn't help because the VPN's only allowing five or six. So trying to get three streams out in HD quality from a country that's got a lot of lot of blocks on their yeah. their content, um, it was it was tough for viewers back, you know, whether they be in Thailand or the United States or, or wherever. But uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of questions. It's like, nope, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a zero tolerance type of thing, I guess. Um, Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, do you get to do much kind of experiencing the country outside of uh, doing some broadcast of for wrestling? A little bit. So I usually bring in a, or when I, when we book travel, there's always a buffer day. Cause I like to get there before the setup day. Cause there's okay. I land. Okay. That's, that's, that's kind of an acclimation landing travel day. The next day is a setup day. And then we start. So if there's problems with travel or like I had with, with China, if I, if my visa didn't arrive, it actually arrived the day I left. Uh, that was, that was interesting, but I usually build that in. So this year, I looked up what was around Xi'an. I'd never heard of it. And it's spelled X I apostrophe A N. And I was like, okay. And that looks like, oh, the terracotta warriors that those are like mm-hmm. the, the awesome. soldiers that they unearthed that are all made of, you know, clay and such that was, you know, in the city. It's about, it was about a 40 minute trip, uh, with the taxi, but I was like, well, I don't have anything to do today. I was kind of just whacked out from, from a, you know, a 12 hour flight from Detroit to Shanghai. And then another layover and a delayed flight got to my room at like four in the morning. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to do this today because it was like light raining. It was a Sunday. I was like, this is probably right. my best shot because I don't know what we needed to do for setup. So went out, took probably a couple hundred pictures, and it was it was a real experience. I mean, I, there, there was, there's some tourist stuff that, uh, you know, you get sucked into. But, hey, how many people go to China frequently? I'm never going to see this thing again. So I, I picked up some cool stuff, some stuff for my kids. You know, met met one of the farmers who discovered these things 40 years ago, which is kind of one of their, their touristy things. And. Uh, then had an opportunity. They have this giant wall that runs through the center of the city, the foundations of Xi'an. And the, the whole city is just kind of built around it. It's like, whoa. You know, as I was on a, on a, a search for the only craft brewery yeah. in the city of 12 million, uh, there's these giant walls. And it, it is really cool. And just to see how uh, how so much stuff just works. It's just, uh, you know, it's like any foreign city. It's big mm-hmm. and it's busy. And it's got some things. You got some things that, like, you know, there's a 7-Eleven that, that doesn't have the 7-Eleven actual name, but it's the exact same color scheme. And you're like, is yeah. that their version or is it a knockoff? I mean, so, you know, traveling abroad is definitely, it's eye-opening. It also gives you a different perspective on things as, as an American that, you know, how people, you know, see you as as a country and, you know, how they, how they interact. You kind of get a different perspective, which is always kind of cool. On a side note, how does Chinese beer taste taste to American beer? Uh, the craft beer that I had was absolutely phenomenal. This place called Xi'an Brewery. It was it was one of the places I tried to find. And matter of fact, here's why Google didn't work. I looked it up on Google Maps and the directions. Uh, yeah, we're, we're three, three and a half kilometers off. So actually, no, it's three miles. So it was a good 5K away to put it in running parlance for you uh, to, to get back and find this thing. And very, very few people spoke English. So that was another thing. But the, the craft beer that we had was was phenomenal. But uh, the the standard beers that they, for some reason, they call them North American adjuncts. I don't know why we, as, as, as a continent got labeled with crap beer, but uh, yeah, um, not really a fan of, of it. it. It was kind of like, you know, it's, I felt like I was in college again, knowing what bad beer tastes like. So uh, the, 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 the mass produced like InBev type stuff was just, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a craft beer snob now. So it's like, eh, it's not, it would never be my first choice. The only reason I bought it is because it was in the gift shop. 
oddly enough, there was no bar in the hotel huh. either. So that was kind of yeah, a I, I, I'd assume so. So um, let's get back to some of your background here a little bit. You're obviously a huge wrestling guy. You just told me a little bit off air. Um, you went to ODU. I mean, can you kind of detail for the people yeah. who are probably listening to this thinking, um, well, how does this relate to SID work? But you've worked with SIDs before and you've been to Cosida. So what is your background yeah. like with all that? <laughs> well, uh, you know, and let's also clarify, I learned this when, when using hashtag ODU football, the folks at Ohio Dominican were not really uh, <laughs> responsive to the fact that I was like, it's OD, OD Old Dominion University in Norfolk, Virginia had a chance to, to know some really good, uh, you know, folks in athletic communications there, but I ultimately grew up in that area, uh, Hampton, Newport news area. So most people know my hometown of Pocosin because, uh, usually it's featured on Allen Iverson documentaries and, and usually not in the best way. So a uh, little fishing village, dare I say a redneck kind of town, uh, was wrestling crazy. I got, I knew I wanted to be a sports broadcaster, you know, at, f- at fifth grade, you know, I'd miss the bus watching sports center as a kid. And, you know, I, I just knew that was where my path was going to go. And what I had done is I, I you know, worked doing PA announcing in high school. I announced eight different sports, worked for the school paper, the yearbook, you know, the, the things that a lot of the, you know, folks in the industry of, you know, are familiar with. And then when it came time to choose a college, I had known all the local broadcasters and I was working as a, as a phone gopher at, in the sports department at the daily press at 16, you know, turning 17. And my senior year, I worked at a newspaper, you know, taking the calls over the phone. And that was really my first introduction yeah. to sports information was getting, getting faxes, from, you know, the MEAC schools, getting faxes from the CAA schools. And, you know, we had beat writers that covered Virginia Tech, Old Dominion, uh, Virginia Women, Mary Hampton University. Uh, you know, the, the area was pretty much segmented to South Side and Peninsula. So there's the Virginian pilot on the South Side where Old Dominion and Norfolk State were. And then uh, HU, William & Mary uh, were, were on the Peninsula. So the Daily Press covered them. And, you know, I worked there and I got to know all these these people within the sports media. And rather than, you know, want to go to Brown or want to go to Syracuse or even in-state at James Madison, uh, staying close to uh, the home in Old Dominion ultimately was was a good choice because I didn't have to reconnect and redo those contacts. People knew me as that wrestling kid from Pocosin who did all the announcing. So that that I felt was a step in the door to get to whether it be the the sports radio station or you know the the three big channels and you know having grown up had Old Dominion basketball season tickets you know both men's and women's you know that was a time where Wendy Larry's teams were, were making the national finals they, they made the national finals against Tennessee my senior year in high school oddly enough it was the day I got accepted to Old Dominion was when they beat Tennessee at the ODU Fieldhouse um, ultimately you know would would be a number one seed in the in the region losing to uh, NC State and Dayton one year in 1998 so a lot of my decision for Old Dominion was because one the sports programs there and two I had that media foothold. I was working my way through college, announcing high school wrestling tournaments and then working at the newspaper. So um, it was then that I really discovered sports information firsthand because Carol Hudson is, you know, Hall of Famer, uh, Debbie White, Hall of Famer, Cosida Hall of Famer is just two amazing people. Uh, right. I didn't know exactly how things worked on that side of the table. So when I'm wanting interviews for the campus radio station, I wasn't aware that that was how I had to do things. And then, you know, in going back to the newspaper, I'm like, okay, this is how we do things. And no, now it makes sense. The faxes that come in that, you know, some places are littered with cliches. We used to joke that um, I think it was Maryland Eastern shore had probably some of the most cliche ridden volleyball releases ever. And we used to actually have a little wall of, of, of the funny releases we'd get from, from sports information offices that were just like, yeah, we're not, we're putting the score and we're definitely not using any of this copy because it's, it was just so, you know, like uh-huh. cliche ridden, like crazy, like burn down the nets and you know, the, the, you know, the roof exploded, you know, stuff like that. But 
Um, you know, that was kind of the choice that led me to Old Dominion and wrestling was one of the sports that kind of got in my way. I'd started a radio show in high school uh, with Peninsula Area High School Wrestling and then took that to the internet with my dial-up modem at 33.6 and my unlimited Errol's internet and, you know, used Microsoft Publisher to lay out my first website. Didn't even have a domain name. I mean, it was, uh, wrestling kind of got in the way, but in, in working with sports information and within, you know, the WODU, the campus radio station, the Mason Crown, the student paper, which I ended up becoming the editor-in-chief for a spell later in my career, it was, you know, my career has pretty much been working with SIDs pretty much since I was 16 years old, whether I knew it or not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit why wrestling. That's a really good question because I didn't, I had never seen it until I was a sophomore in high school. Uh, I grew up playing yeah. basketball and baseball and basically any other sport the kids play in the yard. Uh, I was actually a better baseball player until I realized that I just didn't want to play it anymore. And it just, I just, you know, I, you know, broadcasting and the stats part of it really kind of, kind of took hold of me a little bit. So it was, uh, my, my sophomore year in high school, I knew our wrestling program was pretty good. They had been second in the state. They had, you know, 50 some state champions. They won eight or nine state titles at that point. And so the, the town was wrestling crazed at the time. The basketball team was like one in 23. So people would go to the wrestling matches because the basketball team sucked. It was just, I mean, it was just, that was, it was a wrestling town. So I, I got my, my buddy took me to a match on, on a Wednesday in 1995. And I, I still remember a lot of things about that duel. And I'm like, wow, this is, this is cool. And then two days later, there's this event we have at the Hampton Coliseum called the Virginia Duels, which is you know coming up on its 40th anniversary in January. And I, I skipped school on a Friday and watched my high school team beat the 18th ranked team in the country at 27-26. And that was kind of the moment I got hooked on the sport. And then the next year, we got a new wrestling coach. I was announcing a bunch of sports. I started announcing wrestling. And for some reason, I got lured into the, into the wrestling room. And it was a very, very painful, humbling experience. But just something about the sport where it's, you know, it's hand-to-hand -hand combat. Yeah, it's, you can't pass to a teammate. You can't rely on somebody else, you know, when you're out there. I mean, you can blame the official, but that's your pro your, that's your fault for putting yourself in a position. Right. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's sport in its simplest form, you know, hand, you know, better man wins, better woman wins because women's wrestling has been Olympic sports since 2004. So the, the, the overall concept behind the sport is what kind of was, I was kind of, you know, is what enamored me a little bit, but also, it doesn't hurt when you've got a winning program. Mm -hmm. So if if we'd have been beaten 60 to 12 in that dual meet, I probably wouldn't have been interested. But the fact that they're my classmates like, oh, wow, I mean, there's weight class, you know, I was like, OK, how do you score here? And then seeing how the fans respond, it was just really kind of an infectious kind of kind of environment. And then, you know, as I got into it, I, I never wrestled a varsity match. I was on the team, you know, for a year and a half, two years. It's it wasn't like my, my wrestling career you could put on a post-it note. Uh, and it, it was, it was probably a post-it note blank is probably more exciting, but it just, you know, we got to, and I started announcing the regionals. And then, you know, my high school coach was a big advocate. You know, he was telling people, like, Hey, we got this high school kid who's, you know, he, he can do these, these tournaments. So, you know, I get the old dominion. I had decided to do rankings. I got the rankings in the paper because I started paying attention to things. And, you know, I started announcing tournaments on the weekends to, you know, it's not bad money doing a high school tournament for two days, getting paid yeah. 300, 350 <laughs> bucks. I mean, that's a pretty good, uh -huh. uh, you know, 20 years ago. I mean, that's, that's a pretty good, pretty good rate now, but it's just something about it that being able to 
you know, it, it played to my PA realm too, because it's like, I liked kind of commanding a crowd as a PA announcer. And then wrestling was constantly going. You, you don't, you know, a dual meet one mat is usually the most boring type of thing. Give me a tournament where there's four or five, six, seven, eight mats yeah. and it's chaos. And you're, you're, you get to be kind of the, uh, the maestro of this organized chaos. It's kind of enticing, but it's just something about the sport. It just drew me in. The people were really accepting. Although sometimes if you don't have cauliflower ear, people look at you a little funny, be like, yeah, you haven't earned it, but it's, you know, it's, it's an accepting sport once, once they see, okay, you, you like the sport. I mean, there's, there's always going to be that faction that always questions, well, you're not a national champ. I don't need to talk to you. Uh, you know, you're not, you know, what, what relevance yeah. do you have? You never wrestled D one. So, you know, you get some of that. I think you get that in other sports too. Yeah. I, uh, I'll get a couple of things. I think from what you just mentioned there, um, when I first started college, when I first started knowing that I wanted to be just in sport, I wanted to be a coach. I wanted to be a cross country and track coach. And I was being recruited by a lot of different schools and a specific school in Ohio for division two. Um, the guy was like, well, you probably won't get a division one job if you're not an all American, you know, it, it was kind of that thing. And he goes for people like you and me, we kind of have to work for it. And I think that kind of goes along the same way with what you were saying. Um, as far as that's concerned, my first experience with wrestling, actually, I was a freshman in college. I went to a tiny NAI school in Northern Indiana and we were hosting the East regional. And uh, I got there probably seven o'clock in the morning to all these, all these college kids in their underwear for weighing. And I had no idea what was going on. I was like, well, oh yeah. yeah, that's, 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 that's a culture shock. If you've never seen yeah, it. Yeah, I never saw it before. And I was just like, so disturbed. Um, another thing kind of based off of what you said uh, about the enticement, enticing of a particular sport that maybe somebody's never experienced before. Um for me, it was lacrosse, and lately it's been rock climbing, mm-hmm. speed rock climbing in particular. For lacrosse, I just I say this all the time, especially on the show. Southern Indiana did me dirty by not introducing me to lacrosse until I was 20, 19, 20 years old. You know, and if it were up to me, I would have done it a lot sooner if we had a program here. Until I know Hanover College mm-hmm. has one now, but I just I just feel robbed of that experience, basically. And even now with rock climbing. It's same as what you were saying is it's all yourself. It's all you out there. And, and it's basically trusting yourself. And, and I was telling James Hayek this last week from Wyoming, there gets to a point to where you're just, at least for me, I'm just terrified to go any further. Yeah. I hate heights. There's, there's something that. in your mind. that's just like <laughs> you just put one foot in front of the other, basically. Well, not really. They're one foot beside the other or one foot higher than the other, but um, it's all mental type of thing. And, and I think that kind of what draws certain people to certain sports, especially with almost like a combative sport or, or uh, a physical contact sport like this, um, that kind of produces these niche audiences. But I think you and I were talking off air that a lot of new SIDs or a lot of interns or a lot of GAs that have never gotten this experience before are now handling um, sports like this that really need to get more coverage i would say i mean what what is your take on this that you have found working through um individual schools individual people to kind of get information i mean can you spare no detail on what that process has been like for you it, it's been a process that's been ever evolving because I've worked professionally full time in wrestling since 2005. Uh, that first job was with the National Wrestling Coaches Association as their director of media relations. So essentially, I was an SID in that regard, and that's when I first joined COSIDA as as an associate member. And 
it was, you know, building and that, that was back in the day before there was social media. There was not the you know, way to get scores. I mean, we were getting, I was on every, I tried to, had to introduce myself each year and say, okay, here's the SID list. Here's the schools that have wrestling here. Add me to your release list, please. You know, Hey, I'm so-and-so with so-and-so. And then I'd have to, you know, almost reciprocate. I'd have to update my list. So they would get our press releases about our all academic teams, uh, you know, our national duels and things that the, the all-star classic that the NWCA uh, did his events. And they also were the pioneers of, of working with the NCAA on the weight management program, which has become, you know, it's now, I think we're 15 years into that, but in, in trying to get the content, okay. You know, it's not like you can get a tweet. I was reliant upon emails. And here's another thing back then with Intermat, which is still in existence. It's got a, a different iteration now is I was entering every single college dual meet into our database system. There was, I mean, there was no uniform way because as, as many know out there, there is no stat crew. There is no genius for wrestling. I mean, we track wrestling wasn't even a thing yet. So I'd have to sit there and, and, and in some of my, my years, I was uh, single and uh, very prone to said Irish mm-hmm. bars in, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, where, where I lived at the time. And, you know, I'd sit there and be like, okay, I got a, I got a, got a beer right here. And I'm sitting there updating, you know, Portland state, Boise state at like two in the morning. Cause I wouldn't go to bed until every single dual meet was in. So having to hunt those things down and back then too, and even as, as recently as 2005, the, the websites, you know, whether what we've got now with, uh, you know, SID help mostly when the NAI side and then the CBS sites, and there were so many different you know, companies that were creating these, these college sports.coms, a lot of them still didn't even exist for, for the smaller colleges. So it would be usually going to like right, athletics yeah. dot insert division three school name here dot edu and trying to see, hopefully think they had a schedule or something online. So the, the flow of information has in, increased over the years, but those early years, just tracking it down, just trying to come up with a composite schedule was a real pain. So I just kind of got in that groove where, okay, we're the only one doing it at Intermat at the time. And and that was kind of where we kind of, we got a lot of draw. We had a lot of traffic because we were the only place. I mean, we were putting up California community college dual meet scores in the fall. That's a fall league. And we were promoting that we were, you know, your Iowa Penn state duel is right next to, you know, a St. Cloud state, Southwest Minnesota state duel in, in the scores. So, you know, tracking those things down was one of the harder things to do. And, you know, over the years, you end up developing relationships with SIDs who actually, you know, they, you could tell they didn't, they weren't just phoning it in. Sometimes you have the GA that doesn't know it and you see the word pinfall in there, which by the way, is the most dreadful thing you can ever put in a wrestling release is the word pinfall. It is a redundancy. It's like saying foul shot free throw. And you know what? Wrestling people give me guff for this all the time. Cause I'm so vehemently opposed to it. It was, it was a word back in the fifties. It's not been used since then you hear pinfall. It's either bowling or professional wrestling. So uh, that's been one of my pet peeves. So one time I think I, I read walk off pinfall. I bet I had a heart attack. Um, but, you know, in terms of back to back to giving the, the people that, you know, the relationships, you know, I, you get people that have been on wrestling for 10, 15 years and you, they, you know, they become friends just based on emails. You see them at nationals. So uh, what it really helps is, you know, showing an appreciation for what the sports information director, the athletic communications professional does is something I've always been very high on although again sometimes an unsolicited email from some wrestling know-it-all can really kind of rub people the wrong way trust me i'm only trying to help and i'm not trying to like you know tell you you suck at your job trust me it's it's i get context can sometimes be a problem so i know some people listening have gotten those emails from me over the years and like what do you got this jerk on it's like no i'm not trying to be a jerk i'm just trying to help and you know it might come off wrong so sometimes that something that falls on me but you know when you get a good one you you really get disappointed when they they leave for a school 
that doesn't have wrestling. Like, oh man, we lost them. I mean, um, been the president of the National Wrestling Media Association for the last you know eight years, and that's an organization that's we try to model ourselves like Cosida. As a matter of fact, Doug Vance gave us the the blessing uh, to to borrow the Cosida bylaws and kind of craft them for what we need with the media association. Cause it's been around since like 1989, but we never had bylaws. So uh, we had to come up with a disciplinary situation and all of a sudden, uh, who do we reach out to? It's Cosida. And they were very receptive and, you know, being aware that, uh, you know, I've been a member for a number of years. There's, there's been some lapses here based on where I was working at the time, but it's just so many good things that the SID can do. And if, you know, there's a lot of us in the sport of wrestling that, you know, sometimes they'll, that we know the coaches so well, we, we bypass the SID. Usually when I have an interview or something, I'll let the SID know, Hey, and usually they know, okay, JB's going to talk to coach so-and-so, but I'll give them a heads up at least. I mean, it's not like I, I, you know, like I said, I tell people to route all their interviews to the SID, but in some cases, you know, you got to wait, you know, five days to get a response or you can just text the coach and just give the SID a heads up. Usually they appreciate that. I've only had one guy, one, one guy uh, upset that he didn't route the interview through me. And then, you know, it's not like I'm playing, you know, big time here, but then their, their boss said, no, 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 this guy's cool. So it's kind of a a long answer to a short question. I don't even know if I got everything because I can, I can, I can go off on tangents because there's so much stuff that I appreciate about the sports information, athletic communications uh, field. And, you know, I understand it. I understand it's, it's overworked, it's underpaid, it's underappreciated in so many different ways. But uh, if, if I can do something to help you with a sport like wrestling, which, you know, wrestling coaches can be abrasive. They can be demanding. They can turn people off really quickly. And if you've got, you know, an 18, 19 year old, you know, looking, you know, doing a student help and they've got a really combative wrestling coach, it could ruin that person's opinion of the sport at their next job and their next job. So ultimately I'd like to make it as easy as possible for somebody to come into wrestling for the first time. And I'll always find that email list. I've done this probably the last 10 years. Hey, if you guys have any questions, just don't hesitate to ask. So I will, I mean, I will definitely say, explain why pinfalls, not a yeah. term. I will explain why uh, it is not three, o- three overtimes. It is technically sudden victory two. you know, there's this nuanced terminology in wrestling that, you know, it's, it's kind of a pain sometimes. And the fact that there's no stat crew even makes things more complicated. <sighs> Guys, just real quick before we get back to today's episode, I want to tell you about our new show sponsor, Presto Sports. Presto Sports and New Blue recently announced a strategic partnership to launch an innovative new sports streaming solution. With a shared vision to support the video demands of college and university SIDs, Presto Sports and New Blue are making it possible for one person to run a full-scale sports production. You can learn more, guys, at prestosports.com SIDcast. Now, let's get back to today's conversation. Yeah, we'll get to the stack crew thing here in a minute. The first thing I'll, I kind of want to talk to you about um, is uh, maybe for new people who are learning a new sport, and it doesn't have to be wrestling per se. Mm-hmm. It, it could be the lacrosse that we talked about uh, as that's an ever-growing sport. It could be I know, women's wrestling is, is starting to pop up, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit. So what are some things that maybe SADs can do to kind of take care of that um, knowledge gap themselves when working at a new place, in your opinion? Honestly, I think some of the the most basic ways to get answers is ask questions. You know, there are some outlets that are more receptive to it. And if they ignore you, move to the next one. I mean, uh, you know, I I joke that I've worked for more people and, you know, there's people in wrestling that have had a lot of coaching jobs. You know, I I, I floated around like, you know, (laughs) an SID for a while. I went from this job to this job to this job to this job in wrestling before, you know, branching out on my own. But I, I found that the most effective way to get an answer is ask a question. 
And there are, there are, there've been GAs. And, you know, when I send that, that email out, there are people like, Oh, great. Thank you. Hey, how do I do this with the try meet? How do I report it? And, you know, one of my pet peeves is, is, and I think people that have this have events where there's multiple teams at a site and, you know, say there's, there's a try meet and two teams are from visiting schools. Is it the host SID's responsibility to report that score between the two teams that don't involve you? I mean, that's one thing that I'd love for that to happen. Um, you know, it's, 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 I think it's a per school basis, but answering, getting the question, just know where to ask. I think that's a hard, hard thing because with Google now though, it's like, okay, let's search wrestling websites. Let's search, you know, wrestling media. Let's, let's find, let's ask USA wrestling. Let's go, let's go up top. I mean, and if you don't get a, get a response, like I said, go that way. I mean, Usually the way the, the world of sports information is connected, you're going to know somebody who knows somebody that can help you. And usually the people that are willing to help have been doing it for a long time. Uh, you know, out here in Minnesota, one of the powerhouse wrestling programs is Augsburg, a division three school, which, you know, we're talking about women's wrestling. They just added women's wrestling. Big Don Stoner has been the SID there for, you know, over 20 years. And this guy knows how to write. He, he, he's, he's, he's adapted over the years. He knows his releases are different than they were 10 years ago, but he knows the sport. He's got the stats. There's, there's a, a give a damn type of attitude with guys like him. So, and, and there's, there's guys like Don all over the place, you know, a lot of them at the smaller divisions. So ask there, there's, you don't even have to even reach out to just those are that are in the wrestling overall, but because there's, there are people that are, love the sport of wrestling or love the sport of cross country or love the sport of, you know, tiddlywinks or quidditch you know insert sport name here that through the network of you know with cosider through the through just simple searches and facebook and whatnot you can find somebody that can answer those questions so i i say ask questions is the best way to not make a mistake you know better to you go in prepared and and then just you know versus saying something wrong and then getting chastised for it i mean there's a little bit of you know preparation goes a long way Speaking of the preparation stuff, and I, I did want to ask you this earlier, but I it went right over my head. Um, you mentioned that you kind of had to really prepare for some of those names that you've got mm-hmm. going to different countries. And I'm sure Uzbekistan and, and wherever the hell else you've been has been no different. <laughs> so um, I know a lot of SIDs out there, including myself, who also do dabble in some broadcasting, some PA. Um, what is the preparation like for you? I mean, because... For me, especially, if you don't give me a pronunciation guide, your name is a subject to whatever I call mm-hmm. And you know what? College wrestling is susceptible to this, too, because there's usually not speed sheets and rosters and pronunciation guides that are really put out for smaller, some of the smaller non-revenue sports. So, you know, the bigger programs like the Big Ten, I think most of their, their, their websites have a pronunciation guide, for example. I don't have a problem going to University of Michigan's website and figuring out how to say Malik Amin's name correctly. Uh, you know, because that's not just internationally. I mean, I put together a, a Monster Division One preview guide where I have 330 athletes at their championships. And I've got, you know, I, when I put together their records and stuff, I also put down how to pronounce their name. So that's something that, you know, ESPN uses that broadcast guide for, for their mat side people. They've got eight to 10 people that, that rotate in. And as a PA announcer, that's something I need to know. But uh, at the college side, that's still, you know, a thing. When I see a pronunciation guide, I'm like, oh, boy. Like, I, what I love is looking at the things that annoy SID's Facebook page and seeing the pronunciation list. is like, yeah, good luck with this. Mm-hmm. But, um, but a lot of it just it comes with experience because you go to a country or you've announced these names and you start learning uh, the naming conventions, like, you know, a Vili, an Adze or an Idze is typically a Georgian name, whether they're in, in Ukraine or yeah. Russia, uh, you know, in Abdullayev or, you know, the, one of the crazy things is how uh, like the Belarusian alphabet is slightly different. So like when you see a name, 
um, that's like Andreev and it's spelled with a U, you know that those those should be V's. So you're not just saying Andreev. Yeah. You know, no, that's Andreev. So it just comes with practice. It comes with knowing knowing that the Chinese uh, and the, the Koreans typically have their last name first, their family name. So it's not you know, uh, you know the Koreans. It's it's you'll see in in American parlance it'll be like Yan Hung Kim. No, it's like Kim Yan Woo is is how they would say it. And that's how I try to do it. Actually, Hung- Hungary is the same way. So I had the world championships in Budapest last year. And because if they were in the U.S., I'd probably say, you know, Petar Bachi. Well, I'm in their country. I'm going to say it the way they do it. Say Bachi Petar. You know, I'll say it like that. So a lot of it's just memorization. I do a Google document each year for all the entries for the world championships. And it, you get it close. You know that there's Aliyev, you know, you know. You know, Pitterskova, Pitterskova, you know, you, you just learn how things look over the years. And you ask, again, ask questions. We had the Worlds in Vegas in 2015, and my, my fellow announcer were walking around the practice room finding people from those countries and be like, okay, you know, we had our sheet. And we're like, okay, how do you say? And we'd, you know, phonetically write it out and we keep those files over the years on, on a Google Doc. So when I updated the list for, you know, from the Vegas Worlds to the 2016 Olympics, I was not really surprised by anyone. Um, Chinese, as I learned this week, is really, really tough because they're so fast. You want to say the name like, you know, as a PA announcer, be like, Sun Yanan. No, 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 no. Sun Yanan. Mm. Like they're very, very, you you got to pop it a certain way. And yeah, it is. And it's kind of tough because we're, you know, if you're a traditional English speaker, some of the sounds they try to make are not something that we're used to saying. So it's a lot of research. It's a lot of asking questions. And it's just, you know, just you've, you've, become familiar with things. I've been going to world champ. My first world championships was 2003. I've been going pretty much consistently since 2007. I've been to two Olympics, uh, you know, I've, I've, you know, been numerous continental championships. So when you pick up that type of stuff, you know, these countries do not provide pronunciation guides, these countries, I wish they would have SIDs, but yeah, they don't exist. (laughs) You know, there's a handful of countries that have media directors, you know, USA wrestling has one, Azerbaijan has one, Iran, but they don't always make every trip either. So a lot of it is trial and error. A lot of it's like, okay, you ask somebody that you find somebody that speaks English and you say, you know, I am speaker. How do you say, or you Google translate and you say, you put it in their, their language. Like, how do you say this? And you show it to them and they go, Oh, uh, uh, Abdali, you know, let's say something like that. So a lot of it's just using the resources you got and again, asking questions. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think my favorite one, my favorite one that I've ever done broadcasting is this, <coughs> excuse me, tiny school. In Evansville, um, they had two, two. Uh, I can't remember where they're from specifically in Africa, but it was T S U N G B E N I, and that was supposedly Chunga Benny, and I and it took me a long time. And their names were Chuck, and Nicely, and they were like brothers. And I think that it took me a minute. And every partner that I had, because I, I I went through color coordinators like a revolving door. So every partner I've had, I've had to explain, and they still like in the middle of the game, their their brain just defaults to something else, you know. Uh, like is I guess that's what's the green that comes with broadcasting and everything. Um, you've alluded to it a few times now. No stat crew for wrestling. So what's the reporting system like, and how have you had to handle it and deal with it over the past couple of years? Well, when uh, I worked for the NWCA, we had the NWCA scorebook, and this is what you have now is trackwrestling.com, which can do live event scoring. It it does tournament stuff. It it handles the weight management software. So those of that have wrestling are familiar with, you know, track wrestling. It's, 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 it's got a funky UI sometimes. I mean, it takes a couple of times to get used to it, but before that even existed, you would have what was, was the weight management scorebook and you'd enter it into the 
you know, the results, but it didn't track takedowns. You know, this, we're, stats is one thing that wrestling has, has had a really hard time doing. We can't tell you who the, t- the takedown leaders are because we have this format of dual meets and quad meets and tri meets and things. And we also have this format of, of open tournaments and then invitational tournaments. And there's what, what counts. I mean, our red shirts, you know, in other sports teams, sports red shirts aren't competing and wrestling red shirts are competing. And if they get pulled out of red shirt, all those results then count. Uh, you know, matches against high school kids don't count. Matches against postgraduates don't count. Um, you know, there's so many different nuances that are really can be daunting to somebody that's like at a school. Okay, we got why, why does this match not count? Well, because uh, he is not enrolled. If you wrestle against somebody that's at an Ivy League school but is out of school, they are not enrolled. Their match does not count. You have to be a rostered athlete for your matches to count. So there's so many of those little nuances. And, you know, thankfully, you know, track wrestling has developed it to where, you know, that's, they've got, there's their, you know, flow wrestling also has a flow arena for tournament software and things of that nature. So there's a couple of them out there, but again, not being built into an interface that is in front of a, an SID every day, I think is sometimes a hindrance. I mean, track is, you've got so many mouse clicks, you know, and then to try to do stats, I mean, we got win leaders, you got fall leaders, you know, there's, there's the win types, but again, the individuals, you can tell somebody how many points they average a game in basketball. You can't really aver- tell somebody how many point, how many takedowns they average in, in, in a wrestling match. So that's, that's one thing that I wish our sport was better at because, but again, we've got so many different ways to input the sport of wrestling. Some people do, you know, there's no uniform, you know, the one thing about stat crew, uh, at least from, you know, my experiences with it is like, you know, the baseball box score is going to look the exact same. Every uh-huh. single school in the country, it's going to be the same. Your agate or your, your, your box score for wrestling is going to be different at almost every single school in the country. So, you know, is it, you know, how are they doing it? Are they putting down the, you know, that there's just so many nuanced rules that make it. Yeah. Like I said, I've repeated this. It's just kind of daunting. So it is a lot better than it used to be, but you know, it, it, it shouldn't be that difficult. I used to kind of do an AP style where it's okay. Weight class, you know, name, Score, you know, school in parentheses, decision type, loser, you know, and then score. You know, some some people keep a running score. Some people do these elaborate graphics. And uh, one thing that I've I've actually seen social media has really helped out with. I think I can't remember. I think it was Ohio State that actually did this this year. It's the first time I noticed it. Is they would post the running dual meet score. So if you're you're trying to keep up and you don't know what the what the dual meet score is as they're tweeting they put the graphic with all the results to kind of give you a quick one a quick primer and i'm like oh wow that's great so um that kind of helps but the 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 reporting of the scores is just it, it is something i know that pains a lot of sids because it's not been consistent you know one school might you know put the you know put it this way and i think i've seen certain sids have gone from school to school to school and you can tell when they've moved you know, like Kyle Kuhlman's now at Ohio State. He was at Indiana. You know, he keeps the exact same way he did it at Indiana than now at Ohio State. So it's kind of, you can kind of see which SIDs have the same style. Amanda Dahl at Purdue, when she was at Iowa State, did it this way. And she does it the exact same way she does it at Purdue. So it's it's just, it's kind of funny how people embrace, okay, this works. This is what our newspaper people want to see. And then, you know, it's it, it, there is, it's kind of a wild west, even though that, you know, track does provide the agate in a certain way on the website that, is more uniform than it's ever been. But I remember when there was none of that and it was just really, really painful and there was no copy paste. You'd have to resort and try to, you know, put it into your database the way it should be. It's just uh, it, a lot. It's, it's come a long way for sure. Hopefully it's a lot more painless for SIDs, but I know sometimes that people can, uh, can look at it and be like, why does this not work? <laughs> yeah. It's, it was the same way with um, the genius software that came out. It was the people that was a big learning curve with it. But now that everybody kind of, I think it's funny, everybody complained at the beginning and now everybody loves it. So I'm sure that like 
it's kind of the same way with learning. I'm sure it's the same way with anybody learning a new software. There's a new uh, designer software out there that's really affordable, by the way, and I'm probably going to get it called Affinity Designer, way cheaper than Photoshop, um, but it's the same thing, basically. So, But there's still a learning curve. I'm looking around to write that down. The only reason I can't give up the Creative Cloud is because I use InDesign and I use Audition. So. Yeah, the Affinity no. only has um, like – it's like Affinity Designer, and then there's – there's only two. There's it's like basically a Photoshop and an InDesign copy. They don't have a audition yet uh, until they do. Once they do, making the full switch. That that's my plan. Um, we want to talk a little bit about the growth of the sport, and we've mentioned this a few times. Mm-hmm. Women's wrestling has started to become really big here as of late, and I can tell you now. Um, I'm sitting here in my chair in Madison, Indiana, and about 20 minutes away, there's a high school that is became very, very successful in women's wrestling. Um, can you talk about the growth of that and how it's all come about and where you see it going in the future? Well, women's wrestling, its first world championship at the international level came in 1989, and it became an Olympic sport in 2004. Right now, there is a, there's a number of outfits, USA Wrestling, the National Wrestling Hall of Fame, the National Wrestling Coaches Association, this group Wrestle Like a Girl, even working with the Women's Sports Foundation and trying to get women's wrestling to be an emerging sport. Uh, we've seen actually, if I can pull up my numbers, I keep all the track of all of the dropped and added programs in wrestling at, at my, my almanac site, almanac.madtalkonline.com. So that's where, you know, I get a lot of questions like, Hey, when was the last time or how many D3s? But when we're looking at new college wrestling teams since 2000, and that's what I use because I think the we had, right. it's, it's a good solid point. So since then we've had, and this is men's women's of all levels, 218 new college wrestling teams across both men and women. Now we look at the women. Let me sort that real quick. So division let's and the women is still kind of in a developing situation. The NAIA actually had it as a, an invitational sport. So they've got to go through invitational sports status before they can get, you know, championship status. So right now uh, we've had 57 new women's teams. And then, you know, there's a couple of them. Let's see. We've had name changes. We've had, uh, you know, there's, current teams that are kind of club ish because they're kind of in a, in a no man's land. But, you know, we've, we've got teams that are coming on next year, Simpson in California, central Methodist, uh, Grandview, Indiana tech, Augsburg are all adding women's programs starting next year. So uh, we've got them. Junior colleges are adding them. The, the first division one school will have it. Presbyterian in South Carolina will have a, a division one women's program. this year. They're, they're adding men's and women's at the same time. So uh, with the women's wrestling, it's what's interesting too is women's wrestling and the, the men's college wrestling, they're two different styles of wrestling. The women's wrestling is freestyle. It's an Olympic style. So it's, it's a very different thing. It's what you're going to see in the Olympics. And that's one reason that Canada was really successful with their women's program is the schools in what, you know, U sport, which is used to be known as the CIS they had women's programs. So their, their athletes were going into their, their next level developmental system in the, in the wrestling Canada, having spent years in the college level already wrestling that style. Uh, the United States, we have our, our folk style wrestling, which is different. You know, it's got riding time. It's got, you know, this points for, you know, different turns and such. It's a lot of it's, you know, top and bottom on the mat wrestling where freestyle is mostly wrestled on your feet. So our women's college programs are adding freestyle wrestling. And we've already seen schools like King university really have a, a, a an impact. McKendry is making an impact by putting wrestlers from these small schools onto rep team USA. And, you know, Haley Algello was, a, was an Olympian at 48 kilos for team USA. She was from King university. So these schools are seeing an opportunity. Like what, what would King university really be known for? You know, what, what opportunities would that school have to really be like, yeah. okay, Olympian King university. Well, wrestling, 
fills that void for a lot of places too, providing a lot of women the, the opportunity to compete in a great sport. You know, it's for years, you know, it's like, oh, you know, why, why, why keep half of the population away from the, the great things that wrestling teaches, you know, perseverance, you know, adversity, team building, you know, you know, self-reliance and things like that nature, you know, discipline, a lot of the ways too. So uh, it's, it's also, you know, humbling for your ego. If you know, there's always gonna be somebody better than you out there. So, uh, but with the growth of it, you know, small enrollment driven schools are looking for students and that's no secret. It's not like this is some, you know, secretive plan to, to infiltrate wrestling. No, they're seeing men's and women's wrestling, add students, adds tuition paying students. And it, it, it also adds a different academic profile. Cause right now, when you add women's wrestling, you are a pioneer because you're doing it before it's even an NCAA sport. So, I mean, to, for a school like Augsburg, which has won, you know, I think 13, 14 division three titles on the, on the men's side for them to add, add the sport where it's not even sanctioned yet at the high school level is, you know, that's, that's a risky move. So uh, I think we're up to 15 high school States that have sanctioning girls wrestling as a high school championship sport. And, you know, right now when you're in that formative stages, I think some people look at it, well, we've only got four girls on the roster. Well, does your state have high school wrestling yet? Girls don't want to wrestle other guys continually. They don't want to wrestle guys continually. That's why there's a barrier. Because if you put a club out there that's girls wrestling girls, a lot more will show up. And I think we're going to see, we're probably about 10 years away before we get really super full rosters. Because it's not like you just start a women's sport and every roster in the country is full. There is growing pains. There are, there are, you know, there are girls that are discovering the sport. No, I use this all the time. You know, wrestling's been around since the dawn of time. But guess what? Nobody's grandmother wrestled in college. Think about that for a minute. Nobody has a grandparent or grandmother that wrestled in college on the women's side. Just not possible. You know what? Purdue had a guy named Jake Pataxel wrestle, you know, Pataxel brothers. Their granddad was an NCAA champ in the 50s. Okay. There is a culture of for, for the boys and the men that hasn't existed for women. It's going to take a little time. So my hope is that the administrators don't look at it and be like, well, we're not seeing the numbers we expected from women's wrestling and, and, and bail out on the experiment. It's going to take probably 10, it, it probably takes two generations of athletes to really build it. You see it when there's a new coach, it takes 10 years to, you know, your first recruiting class. Oh, that might, yeah, it might set the world on fire. They don't really materialize the second class. Okay. Then by the third class, you know, okay, these are the type of kids we get that fit our program. So uh, you know, with Lakeland University adding in Wisconsin, they, they had a national champ in their first year. So it's just, you know, it, it, it's it's a long play. It's not a sh- this is not a Band-Aid situation to try to add Title IX numbers or anything. So this is this is a legitimate sport and it's Olympic sport. And it's got. You know, I think there, there's no limit to the 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 level of success that, you know, this this can have not just for these colleges that are adding it, but for, for our Olympic movement, for our, our world championship movement and all sorts of things. I mean, this is a direct tie to how well these, these women can be at, at the next level. Last question. I want to ask you before we move on here, um, you've made a career out of covering one sport. Um, you mentioned a little bit off air, you went to a COSIDA convention in 2008 in Tampa and you heard mm-hmm. Derek Lactel speak. Um, what kind of prompted your shift and change in career move? And how has that been like for you over the past couple of years? It was, you know, people will say that, oh, I heard somebody speak and it changed my life. This situation, Dick Vitale completely changed my life. And here's why. So it was 2008 in Tampa. 
And, uh, you know, I was hanging out with some, some, you know, there's, there's friends you meet over the course of the year. I remember I was, you know, hanging out with a lot of the folks from the Northern Sun Conference that weekend. And, uh, you know, Scotty Rogers was doing one Scotty Rogers things. And, you know, as, as good as he is with young Cosida and all that back in the day, you know, I got to run in some friends from, you know, Jim Heath is now at, at Hampton university. He was the apprentice school at the time. So I'm having a good social time, but before I went down there, I was with the NWCA. This is my third year. I just bought a house at 28 years old. I thought I was, I was doing a fiscally responsible thing. And I get approached by a guy named Jay Robinson, who is then the head wrestling coach at the university of Minnesota. And he had done a number of things, you know, from entrepreneurial standpoints, his, his wrestling camps are among the most popular in the country and have been doing them for, you know, for almost 40 years and him and, and, and another guy, they, they called me up. And at the time I had Intermat, I brought Intermat back from basically the dead. It was the most popular wrestling website in the country. I, I had a lot of name recognition, the features I was doing, I was announcing some tournaments. I was starting to kind of be, you know, kind of a name in wrestling. And they started telling me all the things I wanted to hear, you know, basically giving me the whole, the sales pitch, like they're going to create a wrestling television program, like a sports center for college wrestling. And they wanted me to be the guy behind it. They wanted me to be the production manager, you know, to be one of the faces of it and work on something and create footage. And so it was kind of, kind of dangling there. And I'm like, well, I've always wanted to be a sports broadcaster. This is a way for me to get on television. And so I'm sitting there thinking about how do I, how do I do this? And I've got my house. I just bought, you know, here it is. I bought it in December and I get this call and like, January, February. I'm like, what, what the heck? So I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about it and word got around to my bosses that because the wrestling community is very tight and the, the people that were kind of financially backing the situation knew my bosses. And, and this is right before the Cosida convention. Cause I was going to go down there to try to, you know, explain, you know, the scorebook and, you know, kind of, this is again, pre-track wrestling on how, how we can work with SIDs and, and how to promote the sport better and, and how to work easier. And then I was also picking up stuff. I remember there was a presentation about the new tech TriCaster that I'd never heard of at that point. I'm like, Oh, what's this? Maybe we could do this. And, you know, so I'm sitting there, I'm thinking about going down there and all the things I'm going to do in, in Tampa. And I get, you know, my, my one of my uh, immediate su- supervisors is like, Hey, um, are you thinking about taking that wrestling 411 job? And I'm like, <gasps> is it? Yeah, you're not going to go if you're going to take that. I was like, no, no, I was, I was like, okay, I was actually going to take this weekend in, in Tampa to weigh my wow. options and, you know, kind of get away from everybody and think about it. So, so I did, you know, and, and I did the young, young co side of things. I mean, some of us were up, up quite late. I was kind of making an ass out of myself in some situations. I remember, uh, you know, it was, it was one of those situations. That's where I met Mark Majewski. That's where I met Matt Holmes, who I now work with, with the NCA. He was at Western Michigan at the time and, uh, you know, got to see some people, you know, just got to know some names in the business and, you know, kind of see them. And it's funny this, to, to see the people that I met at Cosida mm-hmm. show up on your podcast, which is kind of cool. Like Mark with his, you know, his Photoshop wizardry. But so I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? I sat by the pool for a little bit. And I'm like, what am I going to do? So, okay, Vital's going to speak. And you grow up as a sports center guy, as an ESPN yeah. guy, you got to see Dickie V. Yeah, baby. Uh, so I sat down there and I'm sitting there weighing my options. I mean, I'm single. I had nothing tying me down other than a house I just bought. So I'm sitting there and he's giving his speech and he starts talking. You know, his voice isn't the same as it used to be, but he sits there and he starts on his spiel and says, I tell you, baby, if I hadn't taken a chance on this little cable company in 1979 named ESPN, I tell you, I'd not be where I am today. I'm like, son of a yeah. Dick Vitale, you just made my decision for me. It was simply like that. It's like, take the freaking chance. So I did. And guess what? A year later, the company tanked. Uh, you know, it was, I was out here in Minnesota. I had a house in, in Pennsylvania. 
that I, I didn't know how the heck I was going to pay for. I had bad renters and ultimately, but, but what got me here, then I met my, my then girlfriend, now my wife, she was actually a division three softball player at Bethel university up here in Minnesota. I had, you know, I had a, this was a great place to live. The winters sucked, but there's, it had the big four, big five. Now I'm not much of a soccer fan, but you know, now they have the big five. I mean, they've got the, and you know, the, the WNBA has now made a really big presence here, but you had a big 10 school. You had a great you know, music scene, great food scene, you know, uh, you could be an hour in any direction. You could be outdoors. I mean, it's like everything here. So the, the learning thing there is Dick Vitale was right. If it wasn't for, you know, if he didn't take that chance, he wouldn't be where he is today. I took that same type of chance. Now that company tanked, that led me to a job at USA wrestling. We're working for the national governing body and the opportunity to cover the Olympic games and then get into the international wrestling scene. So while you know, this is kind of relevant for, for, for listeners here that, you know, these, these GAs that are looking for their next internship or do they take this leap of faith to some school they've never heard of for a full-time gig that's, you know, in a conference that they've never heard of with schools they've never heard of, you know, yeah. you know what am I going to do in the Northwest Conference? I'm from, you know, Virginia, you know, things like that. So it, it's, it's extremely relevant that you don't really know where the path is going to go. And a lot of times it's not going to be where you expected it to be. Like I said, I wanted to be the most recognizable sports broadcaster in the history of this sport uh, of no, not just this sport, but the sports. Like I wanted to be better than Vern Lundquist. And that's a lot because that guy's amazing. So those were the, the career goals, ambitions when I was young. And then, you know, when that company fails, it led to another job that ultimately led to another job that also tanked on me. And ultimately it was like, all right, you know what? I've done this long enough. I'm not going to, I'm going to stop competing with myself. And I created my own outfit. So I do public address announcing. I've got uh, these these gigs with United World Wrestling, but I also provide podcasts and working with SIDs with you know my college wrestling school board and, and, and trying to help them. I mean, there's so many people that have, have shown up that are valuable people from sports information that you know I I can't be good at my job without you know getting the help and, and support from the sports information world because if I need to talk to somebody at Penn, I got to call Chaz Dorman. It's you know if I want to talk to somebody at Purdue, I got to call Amanda Dahl. If I want to talk to somebody at Michigan, it's Leah Howard. You know at Augsburg, it's Don Stoner. I can I can literally name off all these these people that have helped me over the years do my job better. So uh, I guess the, the again the long answer to short question, yes, Dick Vitale did change my life by saying that line that he took a chance on this cable company and I took the same kind of chance and granted. I haven't had the level of success, you know, worldwide that Dick Vitale has, but Hey, I've announced the world championships. I've been the voice of the Olympic games in 2016, hopefully 2020. I don't know when I'll find that out, but it, it's given me an opportunity to do things that I never thought I would ever do. So it was a co-sided convention that really led me down this path. You know, it was one of those like, all right, left turn at Albuquerque. That's where it is. Yeah. Perfect. Well, I, I, I know that there are a lot of SIDs out there who might be thinking about that next leap or maybe that next step. Maybe it might not even be in sports information. Um, I know for me, it's moving to digital media, the graphic design, the social media mm -hmm. stuff. So um, it's scary, I'm sure. And you probably, you just told everybody that it's, it's definitely a, a scary thing to go to something. Different. I left everything I knew. Yeah. I mean, I was, I'm from the East coast. I'm not, you know, I had a friend that lived in Minnesota. That was about it. And I, you know, we did the show from his basement and it's funny because what I'm doing now with my podcasting business and such is very, very similar to what I did 10 years ago. And now there's a market for it. Then nobody knew what the heck a podcast uh -huh. was. So it, it's funny how things do come full circle and, and, you know, led me back to literally a mile from where I lived when I moved out here the first time 10 years ago. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, we're bumping up against time here. Uh, let's get to some fun questions I usually like to ask people. All right. So the first one I have for you, and I might have to kind of amend these a little bit. Um, favorite memory in your professional tenure? 
Helen Maroulis winning the gold medal in Rio in 2016 because it was the first time an American woman had won a gold medal in wrestling at the Olympics. And to sit there and to call her name, I've known her since she was like 15. So having having known her on a personal level and then, you know, and then she beat Sari Yoshida from Japan, who had won three Olympic gold medals going in. She was going for four and she beat Superwoman. And then to sit there and, you know, I'm kind of like I'm welling up and you got to keep yourself, yeah. you know, even keel there. And then to get to say the, and now we had two Americans win gold that, that, that year. And it was like, and to see the, her tears running down her face. And then to get to say the words, ladies and gentlemen, please rise for the national anthem of the United States of America was the most moving thing I've ever gotten to do in my life. And now it's cool to do it at the world championships. I mean, the U S had a really good year last year with a bunch of world titles, but to do it at the Olympics and to do, be the soundtrack of something that had never, ever, ever, ever happened in history. It was still, it's still, I mean, I get, I still get kind of choked up thinking about it. So that is, that is without question, the, the coolest thing I've ever gotten to do. Uh, what about on the other side of the coin? What's your biggest horror story? Uh, other than censorship. Well, censorship. Um, you know, really, I've been really fortunate to not to have anything like horrendously bad happen to me because it's, you know, you know, it's been a life of preparation, but in my younger years, I was, you know, brash, arrogant, thought I knew everything, you know, felt like that, you know, yeah, of course, it, of course it's good. It's mine. But you know, you know, that with that wrestling 411 tanking, that was, that was a horror story. Yeah. You, it was out of your control. I did everything I could. I thought, I don't want to say too big to fail or too good to fail, but I thought I was, you know, the a badass, like, you know, and my work may have been great, but you know what? Didn't matter. We didn't have, the things did not work out there. And I guess that's kind of a, to, to a horror story to realize that, okay, you have no backup. You have, you have at least a place to live, but you have a house that's empty because your renters sucked and you had to kick them out. You have no way how you're going to pay your taxes. You have, I mean, that's, that's kind of a life horror story, but from a professional horror story, I mean, I did get a yellow card announcing soccer in high school. Um, that was more of yeah. a funny story than it was anything else. Um, that that's, you know, probably for another time, maybe over a couple of beers, but the, you know, like I said, I've never done anything that's been like, or happened to me, you know, have, you know, I guess having your job, your company dry it from under you is kind of a horror story, but, um, from mistakes I've made, I mean, I called an AD a scumbag in, uh, in, in a printed article one time, and that didn't go over so well with my boss because the particular school dropped wrestling. And I just saw right through their line of BS and called them, called them out for it. And thankfully that school has reinstated wrestling, but I caught, I caught some serious hell for being a, a somebody that worked for the national wrestling coaches association and calling an yeah. athletic director, a scumbag. Yeah. That was probably, that was probably, probably my, 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 most self-inflicted yeah, probably not great, yeah that's probably it yeah um probably as he got let go years later so i was probably right but <laughs> <laughs> i've had a lot of those uh those broadcasting moments especially with women's soccer that was um i don't know why they hated me so much just be better and you see here's the thing because i'm not afraid I'm not afraid to say this i was 19 you know it probably but you call it how it is if it was a bad mm-hmm. pass, it was a bad pass. Doesn't mean I hate you, but it it also didn't help that they only won like two games a year. Y- you know, yeah. probably didn't didn't exactly rub people the wrong way. But um moving forward, what is one thing you're interested in to learn more about in this profession, this field of media relations as far as college athletics is concerned? I think the evolution of of 
doing things social media wise, like I, I learned like yesterday how to how to share my podcast on Spotify via Instagram stories. Like I'm 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 almost forty, and I've always kind of been on the cutting edge of technology, and now I'm not anymore. And that's something that kind of scared me because I I built USA Wrestling social media presence from six thousand to over you know quarter of a million in three years and doing it organically. I didn't yeah. pay for followers. I didn't run Facebook ads. So to see, you know, to, to, so I was on the front end of that. And then now all of a sudden that has passed me by. So I'd like to be, uh, but I'm also don't want to be like a, like social media influencer ish and like, you know, teenage girl about it with, you know, or teenage guy, let's, <laughs> let's be honest <laughs> you know, and sitting there and be like, okay, I'm spending all my time on my phone. So I'd like to, you know, I'd actually like to be able to learn how People like, you know, I, I use Don Stoner as a reference and Don doesn't want any credit for what he does. But, you know, when you've got 20 something sports dude, yeah. and you're a one man shop, maybe with maybe with a, a student assistant here and there, I, I'd like to learn more about time management and things of that nature from people that are married with kids. I know that that uh, there was a discussion up on Twitter about the new uh, XFL team coming and whether or not Ira <laughs> Thor was going to be involved. Exactly. And he's like. Man, I got I got three kids. Uh, I don't know how you know. It's one of those things. Like, how do people that have families? I mean, I do the traveling. Thankfully, I'm I'm, I'm good enough to. My wife does really well because she's got a master's degree from the University of Minnesota and is one of the smartest people I know. And she married some you know guy that spent seven years as an undergrad at Old Dominion. Go figure. So I, time management is something that it's not just about the the job, but it's just like life. Because I need to you know you talk about running all the time and finding time to run if you don't do it for you know two weeks to break a habit. You you got to get out there and at least do something. I really need a better, do a better job at that. And I think if I can manage my time better as a person, I think I can manage my time better mm -hmm. as a business because I am a one man shop and I handle, you know, I got 25 podcasts. I have, you know, schools that are clients, you know, uh, you know, Old Dominion, uh, Maryland was a client, Bunavista was a client, but right now Old Dominion, Virginia Tech, Arkansas, Little Rock has starting a wrestling program. I'm doing a podcast there that outlines them starting from zero. Uh, that's one thing. If you're, you're, you're interested in a storytelling podcast, that's about sports. And yes, there will be sports information directors, Rand champions down there. He actually got a shout out uh, last episode or episode before that, you know, uh, we're going to talk about all the aspects of what it takes to start a sport from scratch. So that's called uh, rocked up. So at get So there's a little sales pitch for one of the things I'm doing, but uh, yeah. So time management is the long answer to that short question. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's kind of been a, a real journey for a lot of people. And I know that you, I mean, you listened to further in that episode um, that we talked about with the, uh, the habit making, the habit breaking, all that sort of thing. Especially, with I was in the soul. I was in the soul airport listening to that like two days ago. I appreciate that. Are you the okay? Listen here, on my analytics, I get random ass country <laughs> to pop up. Are you that guy that keeps getting like the Brazils and the Koreas and everything like that? Because it's I don't want to be hacked. And if it's not you, no. can you just say yes to make me feel better? Korea would Korea would have been because okay. I definitely downloaded a show in the uh, the the Korean Airlines lounge uh, two days ago. Uh, you know, China, you're probably not going to get anything. You might get a Hong Kong because of a VPN. I'm saying the last week or so. Uh, but yeah, I've been to Brazil. I mean, you've been doing the show for how many years two now? Two and a half, I think. Okay. So, so, okay. So you would, it would have been Brazil cause okay. I haven't been to Brazil since 2016. So, but there are definitely European countries that you, I've definitely downloaded SID cast. On. Okay. All right. That, that makes me feel a little bit better about my chances of potentially. I don't, I don't think know. it's hacked, man. I think that might be just expats living abroad too. Cause yeah, you, know, maybe. I, you know, it's not, I mean, not everything's from Uzbekistan would be me. Yeah. Um, actually, I think I've gotten one from one of those, one of those stand countries before. I don't know, but well, you know, it's funny. I've been to three former Soviet republics, yet I've never been to Montana. There you go. 
Yeah. yeah. Factoid. Yeah, I, bet, you, bet you didn't know that one. <laughs> um, let's see. I, I lost my question here, but I guess I'll just default to some of my, some of my other ones. In, in your mind, what characteristics or traits make a good SID? Oh, um, flexibility. Um, not not being combative because yes sometimes there are people that can that will be combative and i know you guys get this a lot from parents and such but i'm talking about like dealing with the media where we want we want to get something from you and we know it's your job to facilitate that doesn't mean we have to you know we we need to be better about that and then i think sometimes you might have had a bad day just remember not everybody's trying to dump on you or trying to correct you if we say something i say something to you i'm trying to help you and again it may come off uh some somewhat uh you know, terse a little bit. Trust me, if you ever get anything from me, it's not my intent ever. But I, I think being aware of, you know, one time I got a response saying, no, uh, we've got it. Thank you. I'm like, okay, look, you're doing it wrong. I'm, I'm trying to help. Yeah. I don't want to mansplain. I don't want it to make it come off like that. But look, you're, this is how it's done. Like one time we had a guy from my own school that the name was in the box score twice. I'm like, Hey man, uh, you've got Billy wrestling at 133 or 141. It was a dual meet. He goes, oh, I think he wrestled both weights. Oh my God, that can't happen. <laughs> it's just like, just please just, you know, just, you know, somebody's asking you a question too. I mean, no, it's not like a, a game pack or whatever. I know you guys get so much more crap to deal with than I could even imagine. But, you know, if it's a situation where somebody's trying to ask you a legit question and just, you know, don't really just pass it off. I mean, hear them out and see what they're really trying to do. Again, ask questions. It might take another email or two to, to figure something out. And, and sometimes, I mean, I, I get annoyed when I get like my mailing list that gets unsubscribed to. I'm like, I'm trying to help you out and you just unsubscribe from the newsletter. So that's that's one thing is maybe just be receptive to new media that may be popping up and you know people that are trying to be legit. Um, you know, I'm I'm independent on my own, so sometimes do I get credit for being a media outlet or not? So, like I said, I I think there's the lion's share of the SIDs that I've worked with have never ever ever done anything that would make me uh, question their integrity or anything. It's it's always a good group. I know people have so many things that they do, and again, the time management aspect of it. And I know it's it's a tough profession. I respect it. That's you know that's why I feel like. I, that's why I reached out and I said, I think I, I, I want to be able to kind of know that this is the other side of the coin. These are the media people that I have to deal, you, you guys have to deal with. And yeah, sometimes that can be a pain in the ass. Again, it's, it's, I'm also trying to do my job and ultimately I'm trying to help, help you to do your job better. If, if you are receptive to it, and again, yeah. don't want to be the mansplainer or the wrestling splainer or whatever, but you know, I've been doing this for 20 some years. Um, yeah. I would yeah. love to be I, your I, best asset about wrestling. Yeah. We, we all get those emails. And I think we were talking a little bit off air about the lines being blurred a little bit uh, as what is condescending and what is actually people actually trying to help. It's very hard to interpret that. Uh, Cause the other day I was writing, not well, I say the other day. I'm from the well, movie. nobody uses the phone anymore. Either. Right. Yeah. You know, you ask a question over the phone, you ask the same question via email. I mean, I think I, uh, TCNJ, um, college in New Jersey had a, had a typo on its wrestling coach. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to call him yeah. <laughs> just, just because, and that was, Hey, I'm so-and-so just want to let you know. Um, yeah, you got a typo on this thing. I just want to make sure you guys got that. You know, it's, mm-hmm. I mean, and it, the response was so much better than like, hey, you spelled this guy's name yeah. wrong. And like, it, it could be combative. Yeah. yeah. I, um, a couple of weeks ago, I was writing a release for track. And I put in parentheses distance because I forgot what the guy had ran. I forgot exactly what event he had ran. And I got an email that was probably two paragraphs long on how I missed it. One, how I should have gotten it. And then the second paragraph was about like, these are usually the distance events that are ran in a track meet. And I was like, I, I don't know if you're trying to be a jackass or if you're trying to like actually help me here because it, it, it's, yeah, it's very hard 
And I think it takes a, a level of I, I, I complain about this a lot, especially with some people, is uh, for, seek first to understand, then be understood. And try to see it from their point of view and their perspective, uh, maybe where they're coming from. Um, maybe it is safer for those people to try and correct you and try to explain it a different way, especially mentally and emotionally. I don't know. There could be a vast array of things and um, taking p- things people say with a grain of salt, probably probably uh, something me especially should do moving forward. Um, One thing I did, I've gotten better at since I've been married. I've been married nine years, almost nine years, is that um, – I'm not as combative as I used to be either because it would be like, Oh no, you are no, no, no. I am going to get the last word on this one. <laughs> yeah. I am going to explain, you know, so I'm for those of you that remember me from, from, you know, 10, 15 years ago, I I've, I've mellowed out quite a bit having two daughters and, and an awesome wife have kind of led me down that road. I'm I, not, everything's a fight. So I've gotten better over the years too. So it's uh, it's one thing I'm actually proud about, proud of myself in that regard. Good, good, good. I can still be a jackass. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see next time someone is in you're around the minneapolis i'm on the north north side of the twin cities Yeah. next time someone's around that area what's your restaurant bar recommendation well if you are in my neighborhood which is on the north side of the twin cities off 694 new brighton there is a uh, brew pub called barley john's and it is a it's got great food if you're into the it's not i wouldn't call it fine dining but it is really they got a chef there that really crushes stuff and they have rotating taps that are really good it's a small place it's not open super late uh, maybe got about eight tables in a small bar. That is like, I might even go here for lunch after we get done. Uh, but it's, it's pretty good. Now with the NCAA championships, the division one wrestling championships coming here to us bank stadium next year, which is to be first time it'll be in an indoor football stadium. We're looking at maybe, you know, 40, 45,000 for that event. I I'm actually looking to try to partner with, uh, a, a, another podcast in the area to kind of tell them some places to go. But so like, as if you're a craft beer nerd, I like fair state. Uh, brewing which is a co-op that's on in northeast minneapolis is a place called new bohemia that has got you know german style pretzels and, and rotating taps the surly beer hall is is also a good one I, a lot of my stuff rotates around uh craft beer now and there's a, a there's a couple places that i haven't been to that are on my list i heard the free house is really good but when i when i want something good is for 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 a bar to get a good beer and good food it's Barley John's. And of course, uh, I think most people know hop cats are starting to float around with like a hundred taps and such, but uh, Barley John's is probably my, my favorite spot. I don't go there all the time. Uh, it, it's probably once every, every other month or something, but it is, if I know I want to get a good salad or a good, good sandwich or a good special, something that's done and a really, really, really good pint. That's, that's probably the best place I would go. All right. Well, sounds good. Um, if anybody wanted to follow up with you, maybe want to get in touch with you, what'd be the best way to do it? Um, on my website's matttalkonline.com there you'll find all 20 something podcasts about college olympic and high school wrestling that i've done some are retired they're all there they're all available and if you've got podcast questions that's one thing i'm also mm-hmm. you know i don't provide myself i don't i you know i say i can consult but i you know most of the time i'm going to give you that information for free it's it's not like i'm out there to try to you know make money off somebody asking me a simple podcast question i, I have some do's and don'ts that i do so again i'm on twitter at jason m bryant uh, my my at Matt Talk Online Twitter accounts basically just kind of a news feed of stuff that I I I tweet and put into my daily newsletter. But yeah, I'm 
completely open to any and all solicitations in terms of help. Uh, you know, we've got new programs coming. If, if you want help on how to formulate, you know, agate, I'm, you know, with the national wrestling media association at national That is a membership uh, organization. That's it's 20 bucks a year that, you know, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that you help us pay for the awards, you, you know, it's feedback. We get feedback from SIDs. The NCA is actually actively a participant in that, you know, another Matt Holmes uh, name drop there. So it's, it's, just those are the ways mattalkonline.com for me at jason m as in matthew bryant on twitter and you know pretty much that's uh, that's where to find me i spent a lot of time on social especially now that i've now the game of thrones i've got i finally caught up i can actually look at my social my twitter timeline again yeah i know oh, listen i just caught up last night i, I watched the last two episodes because i keep having to make free accounts to watch that stuff on hbo now but um I was in China for episode two and three, so yeah. I had to stay away because my wife I couldn't watch it without my wife. Yeah, and um, Twitter was really good about not spoiling Endgame. But by yeah, I noticed that too. I haven't seen Endgame yet. God, you all suck at spoiling Game of Thrones because that yeah, oh. like oh my gosh, I tried my best, but every other every other th- every other post is a meme. I follow a bunch of wrestling people. I don't even follow Game of Thrones accounts, and I'm yeah. getting like wrestling wrestling outlets are tweeting references to who who had the better weekend. You know, the U.S. Open champion from Cornell, or insert I don't no spoilers. I don't want to throw yeah. any spoilers out for those who haven't caught up. Or insert Game of Thrones character name here in a poll. I'm like, are you yeah. kidding me? Like I just pulled it up for like one second. And I saw a name of a character. I'm like, yeah. Although one guy tweeted something and I was like, it was a former wrestler from Gardner Webb. And I'm like, I have never wanted to kill somebody so bad in my life because of a TV show. Cause he put a spoiler out that actually did not even happen. Uh-huh. He was just messing with people. I'm like you yeah. jerk face. Yeah. Oh gosh. Everybody's just chill with the spoilers. Just wait about a week or about a year. I don't care. Maybe just don't talk about it. Well, I didn't start watching it until mm-hmm. April of last year. So like all those spoilers that were going on, like through one through six, I one through seven, yeah. I didn't even care. I forgot about them. Like the, the episode where, okay, spoiler or Jon Snow dies in whatever episode that was a couple seasons ago. People were like, Oh my gosh. And I, I vaguely remember that because I never yeah, even watched I, the show. I just remember a, a poster with John's, like eyes being blue or something like that. And then I saw him, you know, get Julius Caesar to death. And I, I was just so confused. I, I don't know what was going on. I just, I just, I just, that's what I do with shows. I just go along for the ride. And that's, I think the best thing you can do. Mm-hmm. Well, Jason, uh, been a bit of a long one here, which is okay with me. Um, I appreciate you very much for coming on on such a short notice. So thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. Again, if anybody has any questions on how to cover the sport of wrestling, I have got, uh, I can answer everything you want. Like I said, ask questions. I am definitely available. All right. Awesome. Actually, I guess I can drop my email out there to Jason at Bryant wrestling. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Jason. 